Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, please welcome welcome to another fun-packed, fun-filled episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will, and I get the honor and privilege to have my, my man, the myth, the legend, Jingles Roscoe with me today. Uh, Smiter is doing the Lord's work and working hard and, and, and putting things together. So it is just Jingles and I today, but I'm happy to be able to be on with him. So say hello, Jingles. Hello. Yep, it's just me today. Uh, Smiter's new work schedule is being conflicting right now, but uh, we're hoping that uh, we'll be able to set it up so that he can have the weekends off so that he can stream and uh, do the podcast. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, learning about all that cool stuff with uh, Knights of the Old Republic and such is not going to be the same without Smiter. Yep. We can't do it without him. No, no. But that's okay. You'll, you'll get there. I, my last few weeks have been the same for me, so that's why, uh, as a matter of fact, by the time you hear this episode, we'll have dropped the third and fourth episode of the Pathfinder Adventures. So that way, mm-hmm. you know, you can hear, finish the rest of that part up, and then we will be going through some things over the next couple of weeks, hopefully. In the end, the plan is to come back to the Pathfinder adventures here soon, so don't worry. You're going to get to continue to hear those adventures as well. But today, we wanted to talk to you about, first of all, the most electrifying man in sports and entertainment has gotten into something new. So we're going to talk about that briefly. And then we're going to talk about Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, and our thoughts on that movie. So... Thank you for joining us as always here at Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. You is greatly appreciated. So first things first, uh, Jingles, did you know that The Rock has officially, like, officially, officially laid out some bars? Uh, I did not. He has officially laid out some bars in the world of hip-hop. He, along with Tech 9 and a group of two other guys, I have no idea who they are, uh, did a song called Face Off. Uh, I think on Spotify, it's tracking... To be like the number one most uh, listened to song. And I know on YouTube, uh, it hit a video watch record of like 30 million over the course of three days. Can you imagine getting 30 eye, thirty different eyes on a music video in the course? It, 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 uh, well, a thousand different, 30 million. So one million, no, be 10 million a day for three days. If over three days, yeah. That's crazy. But anyway, I wanted to share this bar with you and let you kind of pick. Now, I know you guys kind of do a lot more of the current, more current hip-hop type stuff that I do. I, I've heard a lot of it. I don't necessarily, I'm not as big of a fan of it. I'm still more old school. Give me some classic Public Enemy or some Biz Marquee or um, some LL Cool J and things like that, you know. But I know you guys are into a little bit more of the modern hip-hop era, so, and I know who Tech 9 is, because a buddy of mine introduced me to him when he was introducing me to, like, ICP and all that group, and then eventually Tech 9 started Strange Music, so, but I want to share this with you, and kind of see how you felt about it, so, this is just going to be the Rock's portion of the verse, the name of the song is Tech 9's Face Off, so, here it is, we'll play it for you now, and we'll let you kind of they're gonna let y'all listen to it first and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. They go rumble, they gon' take your face off. They go rumble, they gon' take your face off. They go rumble, they gon' take your face off. 
It's about drive, it's about power We stay hungry, we devour Put in the work, put in the hours And take what's ours Like in some more in my veins My culture banging with strange I change the game, so what's my motherfucking name? What they gonna get though? Desecration, defamation If you wanna bring it to the masses Face to face, now we escalating When I have to but boost asses Mean on ya, like a dream When I'm rumbling, you're gonna scream mama So bring drama to the king Brahma Put it to an extreme mana Thank you, Brother Tech Nine. Thank you, Terramana. One take. That's a wrap. Face off. So that was the bar. Those are the bars that The Rock laid out for the song Face Off. Mm -hmm. So what were your thoughts on that? Uh, it's it's fine. Okay. <laughs> he's, got, he's got decent flow, mm -hmm. you know. And so when it comes to rapping, um, and uh, to be fair, I, I, I am a big fan of fr all the way from the 90s all the way to like modern day okay. when it comes to hip hop. Um, and, and the thing that I will always be impressed with more than anything else is having a good rhythm, good flow. And uh, I, I am a fan of when people mix it up um, and, and not just do the same like rhythm every single every single bar that they drop okay right? so that that's the kind of stuff that i'm interested in and uh Dwayne, mr the rock here um <laughs> he, d he does a good job of of having a good flow having a good rhythm and mixing it up it's very kind of a classic feel to hip-hop uh, and it's something that I prefer way more than over mumble rappers. And uh, you, you hear it on my podcast, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it here on Conversations more than once, uh, how I, I really don't respect mumble rappers. Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's, it's all the same. And I, all the mumble rappers all sound exactly the same and rap the same. Um which is why it's it's way better to listen to classic hip hop and really hear how different rappers did rap differently and sounded different, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and and Dwayne sounds like a, a a classic type rapper, you know. He's not he's not Tech Nine level of crazy good, um, because Tech Nine you, you can't compare just somebody that's kind of rapping uh or I, I'll, I'll give it to Dwayne. he he does a good job mm -hmm. but he's not like you know the the uber professionals that uh i have a lot more respect for like tech nine yeah or even like eminem or you know even like snoop dogg and snoop dogg he's slower with his raps as well um but i have pretty much the same amount of respect for like snoop as i would for tech nine who just uh, just goes so fast and it's crazy. It's yeah. Um, I I remember listening to Speedums, mm -hmm. and it was him. I can't think of the one guy that's with him all the time. It's like him, him, and then like Eminem was in there too. And it was just like the dumbest amount of speed. Yeah. Like, and I could understand every word of it. That's the thing that blew my mind was that it was yes. there was no. There was no, like, as speedily as he was rapping in Speedums, I could understand clearly what everybody in the song was saying. Right. 
and his his Eminem is kind of the same way. Um, Eminem itself, it's it's like there's this wordplay element that they do really well. Mm-hmm. And but of course you're going that fast. It's 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 like it almost feels like Tech Nine raps, and then they have to create the music to fit his rap. Whereas like you get the beat makers, and a lot of times the beat makers make the beat, and then you make the rap for it. Seems like with Tech, it's almost the opposite. Mm. So, um, I will say this: listening to the Rock's verse sounds like what would happen if the Rock was doing a motivational speech about. Uh, determination and things like that and drive and all that. It felt like if he was doing a speech and somebody set music to it. Right. It, it really feels like a motivational speech. I will. I do like the fact that in the video there's the point where he actually raises the eyebrow and then uh, of course text like but what's I going to get though? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny that he inserted himself into that point. And then uh, of course they, the, the boots and asses line that The Rock is so famous for quoting during his feud with John Cena um and everything, and pretty much has said it ever since then. Um, and then, at the end, it kind of felt like it went from being a rap video to a commercial about Terramana, uh, mm-hmm. which is his uh, brand of tequila that he has made, because The Rock, I think, wakes up every morning and decides, I haven't done this yet. I should totally make a, create a, a tequila. I haven't woke up yet. I should make a cheat day that's epic. I haven't done this yet. I should, you know, make all these movies and do all this stuff like the man really feels like a renaissance guy, renaissance man. Because the man just does so much stuff. I'm like, I, I know very few people in my personal life. I know uh, the main pastor of our main headquarters is kind of like that too. Like He sleeps three hours a day. Like He writes constantly. He's working on material constantly. I mean, he's got like seminary level type stuff that he works on. But I don't know many people that, uh, that are renaissance men that can do multiple things. Mm-hmm. You know, and Rock's one of those people too. Like he just does so much, and I know he's got people that do a lot of things for him because he's created a whole company to do all that. But it's the fact that he's so in depth in it. And of course, you know, we're getting ready for Black Black Adam, which we'll talk about next week because we'll talk about DC Fandom next week once I get a chance to really sit down and study what came out for Fandom as far as the different trailers and everything. Right. So. But uh, anyway, yeah, I feel like it was a really good motivational speech. And <laughs> um, I mean, I was at a store the other day and somebody was playing it. They were just like, wait, The Rock's on this? I was like, yeah, it's the last verse. And like, why would they stick The Rock on last? I was like, because Tech Nine's not stupid. And if you tell somebody, hey, one of the most famous Hollywood actors on the planet pretty much right now is on this album, they're not going to stick him in the middle. Because mm-hmm. who's going to listen to it after that? Especially when the other two people in the group, like, I don't know who these people are. I don't care about them. I came for The Rock, man. I didn't come for them. I know who Tech is. <laughs> but I don't know who these guys are. So, okay, I guess I'll listen to it to get to the end. You know, so it's a smart it's a smart idea to put them in the middle. So it's kind of it's kind of a, a weird hip-hop sandwich, if you will, mm-hmm. when you're doing a collaboration like that. So you mentioned like loving hip hop. Who are some of the who are some of your favorite hip hop people? Just out of curiosity. Um, it's hard to say because uh, I've I I like individual songs more than I like uh, individuals. Okay. Uh, the obviously like the the greats are always going to be um, like Tupac and Biggie, um, like those guys would have continued to be the greatest of all time if they hadn't 
you know, died early on in life. Yeah. Um, I mean, even uh, Snoop Dogg still continues to do work and, and produce good music. Um, but, and he's been so successful that he literally can do whatever he wants. And, yeah. Um, he can, he could just stop making music if he wanted to, or he could completely change genres. He could do whatever, you know? Um, and I, I feel like, uh, Big and Tupac would have gotten down there eventually. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, like I said, I, I like songs or individual tracks, uh, more than particular groups. So, um, it's hard to say who, who are my absolute favorite just cause some days I'm all like, I want to listen to this song or this one or whatever. Uh, depends on the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's funny that you mentioned like Snoop Dogg and how he's kind of transcended rap into new things. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting back in the day when Ice Cube, you know, Ice Cube was in the NWA for a while and then he did his own thing. He broke off and he did his own thing. And then, you know, he started acting. And people are like, oh, Ice Cube sold out, man. He's no longer hardcore like he, he once was. You know, and all this other stuff. I'm like, no, Ice Cube was smart. Like, Ice Cube was able to figure out a way to roll what he did into something that could be accepted by all types of people. Yeah. Not just, uh, okay, I'm going to just do gangster rap my whole entire life. Because, I mean, even Tupac acted. I mean, Above the Rim and Above the Rim, uh, Poetic Justice. You know, I mean, there's just examples. I mean, there was a lot of crossover going on. And so yep. you'd be a fool not to sit there and take advantage of that. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we got Ice Cube doing, you know, Are We There Yet? And Are We There Yet too? And, you know, the uh, 21 Jump Street movies and all that stuff, you know. And the, the what was it, the teacher fight or whatever, yeah. where it was him and Charlie Day. You know, yeah. I, I thought that was funny. I thought his role was perfect because he was just this no-nonsense teacher who got snitched on, he was just like, I'm going to beat you after mm -hmm. school today. You know, it's, it's just simple. And, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't think there's a such thing as selling out as far as if there's an avenue for you, you know, coming in and doing something different. Now, you know, on, at the same token, you look at somebody like Kanye, who's, you know, clothing designer and all this other stuff. And, He's branched out and done a lot of the same stuff, but for different phases. I don't know that Kanye will ever be an actor, you know, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's, it's possibility, but the crossing over thing with a lot of hip hop, you know, people saw it for a while as a degrading of hip hop. And I'm like, well, it's kind of an evolution of it. If you think about it, it's like eventually you're gonna want to do other things besides just rapping about, you know, life in the hood, especially when you're not living there anymore, if you're right. not living there anymore. So, you know, why not have a happier life? Why not talk about other things? You know, why not do other things? Why not write a book or have a reality show or whatever? You know. So, that's my thing on that. But, of course, The Rock just continues to do whatever. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, people keep saying, well, he should wrestle Roman Reigns in the nearby future. I'm like, if The Rock wanted to stop acting for six months or a year, he could do that. But I don't think with his schedule the way it is, I don't I don't think he's gonna be back in the ring anytime soon. Yep. You know. And The Rock has said also that like 
if he were to come back, it would only just to put Roman put over, over anyway. Exactly. So, like, who wants to? Who is a wrestling fan really wants to see that? Because we already know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be like, oh, The Rock's going to beat him for. Because my thing of the story, a lot if you're going to do it, is you have The Rock beat Roman. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so you were the tribal chief, huh? No, you were never the tribal chief. Because without me, there wouldn't be a SmackDown for you to rule. Because mm-hmm. I literally created this thing. I mean, not, it was created because The Rock used the catchphrase and left the SmackDown, but. Yep. They literally created the show based off of a catchphrase he did. Yep. So there is no there is no SmackDown and Roll without me. So that's the story a lot I would go with, but WWE ain't paying me money to write nothing, so Nope. Go figure. Anyway, let's get into some Venom too. Venom. Let there be carnage. Venom. <laughs> oh gosh. I would have loved to have gotten a remix or just had a had a cameo with Marshall Mathers in it. But he's just in the scene somewhere doing something and he's just like, oh, hey, you're Venom. <laughs> I, I would definitely have not wanted that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there was a point in the movie where that could have happened and it would have made sense. Yeah. You know, because when Venom goes out and does the whole, the whole, the whole um, breaking out of the Eddie closet, as he calls it. Yep. You know, kind of feel like they could have done that then and got away with it. But neither, neither here nor there. So first things first, uh, what were your favorite parts of Venom Let There Be Carnage? Uh, there was a lot that I liked. First of all, um, just because I don't know if I expressed how I feel about the movie here on the on uh, this podcast. Uh, so for the listeners, um, I've I've always been a massive fan of the character of Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, I first got into Venom because of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Um, and it's still one of my favorite versions of Spider-Man uh, it, that exists. Um, and I, I fell in love with Venom from there and um, have, have always been just like a fan of Venom. Um, and they, the comics have changed Venom's character. They've altered him. They've made him different uh, in some ways that I like, in some ways that I don't like. Um, and they've changed Eddie Brock a lot and done different things with Eddie Brock and made them separate, made them together, and then just did a whole bunch of different stuff that, once again, some things I liked, some things I didn't like. Um, but it's Marvel. They can do whatever they want with their own characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, I've been wanting like a decent movie with Venom in it. Right. Uh, and Spider-Man three came out. Um, and I didn't like that Venom. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the, the Venom one off movie came out and it was not a good movie. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, uh, really bad, but there were there were little bits that I liked. It, one of the few bits that I did like was the the characterization and interactions between uh, Eddie and Venom, the mm-hmm. symbiote. Um, I, I I've always been a big fan of of a goofy, silly Venom, uh, and much like how the Joker. In the comics, have now gone from like, oh, he's he's a goofball that does goofy jokes to, 
no, he's like a crazy psychopath and he likes to mass murder and, and he's insane and he's like the worst thing ever. Um, they've tried to make Venom more serious uh, over the years. And then other times they try to make him more silly. Um, and it's, it's a weird back and forth that has happened in the comics. So a lot of people, a lot of fans of Venom prefer a more serious, more uh, bloodthirsty, crazy uh, character. But that's not the kind of Venom that I prefer. Uh, and so me and I think other fans of Venom, admittedly, I haven't talked to too many other massive fans of Venom. Um, but I feel like I disagree with other fans in this sense. And uh, so when we got the first Venom film... Uh, I was like, well, they got the goofiness down, but this movie is just not a good movie. Mm -hmm. The pacing's bad. The acting's bad. Some of the visuals are bad. Um, there's a lot of stuff that it just does not make it a good movie. Uh, I'd give it like a four out of ten okay. if, if I were to give it a personal score. Um, but Let There Be Carnage, uh, I feel like actually was a good movie. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's still plenty of problems with it because um, I think a, a massive problem with it is that the it's Venom, but without Spider-Man. Right. And um, having Venom not tied to Spider-Man. And I, I, I talked about it before. I think the last time we talked about Venom mm -hmm. is I really do feel like Venom works best when he's working off of someone else like Spider-Man. Right. Um, I always think that he just does better that way. Uh, and so without having Spider-Man and, and Venom interacting, it makes the movie weirder. Um, and also I had mentioned before that I am, I, I've just never been the biggest fan of Carnage because, uh, in most iterations of Carnage, He's just an insane psychopath with a symbiote and is a mass murderer. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I've never really liked the character of Cletus Cassidy because he doesn't really have much of a character other than I'm an insane murdering psychopath. Um, and so there's plenty of people that like Carnage because of that. But I wasn't a big fan of Carnage because of I felt he was too one note for me to like. But Cletus Cassidy in Let There Be Carnage is a nuanced character, has layers. There's depth to him. There's different parts about him that make up this uh, mass murderer. Mm -hmm. And like the things that they kind of go into what it is that made him this way. And Woody Harrelson knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Cletus Cassidy really truly made me care about that character mm -hmm. and I never had before um, and uh, so just just in that there's a much better villain in this movie than there was in the first one uh, the first one was uh, evil Elon Musk 
and uh, Riot. And Riot is also a character that I've just saw like, that's not even like a good symbiote character. Why use Riot as, you know, but that Riot's been important in the comics in the past. And they're like, well, we can't use Carnage yet. And we're going to save him for later. Um, and th- once again, this is why it, I think it hurt it by not having it connected to Spider-Man. Right. Because I feel like it would have been better if Spider-Man was quote unquote, the villain of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, the, the interactions between Eddie and Venom in this one is much better. Um, I don't remember what your initial question was. I think it was just Will? what did you like about... I think it was primarily okay. just what did you like about the, like, what did you like about okay. the movie. So, yeah, we're, get, cool. it, it, we're getting there. You're good. Yeah, okay. Um, so I like the interactions with Eddie and Venom. Uh, well, well, I'll talk more about it uh, later on as we go more. Um I think the CGI looked a lot better. I think especially um, the way Carnage looked and the way Carnage's tendrils looked um, looked made more convincing than what the symbiotes looked like in the first movie. Carnage looked um, dangerous and menacing, and it was actually something that wouldn't... Yeah, I love that, too. Well, I, I don't mean specifically like his design so much as like... Um, the quality of visual effects that go on with him because it, it, he looked more like blood and flesh uh, in his tendrils. Like I was pointing out like moments where it looked like stretched skin on like a sinewy tentacle. Um, and I thought that it visually looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought those looked much better than they did in the first movie. Um, as far as, I feel like Eddie Brock's character didn't really develop much in this movie. So that was a a little problem that I had. I would have liked him to have developed more. Um, he did a little bit, but not like to a great extent. Uh, I feel like Venom had more character. The, the symbiote Venom had, uh, more character growth again, like in the first movie, he was the only one that had any character growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the second one, he still has some character growth and it's pretty great. Um, the visuals were good. Um, a lot of the stuff surrounding Cletus Cassidy, uh, and, um, and following Cletus and scream and, and the characters just around there, uh, was something that I, I really liked a lot. And they're like strange, twisted, like love that they had for each other. Um, I thought was very interesting and, and, and very uh, well done in the movie. So those are just some of the, the broad strokes that I really liked in this movie. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated the, um, I, I really appreciated you, and you mentioned it already, so I'm going to piggyback off it a bit. I did enjoy the Venom arc um, as far as how he kind of starts off. And then, for example, like there's the point where, you know, he's talking with Eddie and Eddie's like, what's the point? You know, no matter what I do to myself, you're just going to fix me anyway. And so then he goes on the motorcycle, just starts speeding. And then Venom kind of pulls him aside. It's like, I get it. You're hurting. Some things I can't fix easily or whatever, but we'll, we'll get through this. 
and like it's understandable. It's kind of interesting too because it's a play on the idea of oh, if you know, in some relationships you'll see a situation where somebody says, "Oh, I can fix this. Oh, I can fix this." Maybe it's not meant to be fixed right then. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just meant to be dealt with over time. And some things you can't just, there's no band-aid for a broken heart, you know. You just have to go through that. You know, they say time heals all wounds, but you got to give it time to do that. You know, time heals all wounds doesn't mean it's going to happen within 10 minutes, you know. You're just going to walk out of that situation and be like, okay, I'm fine, I'm good, let's roll. You know, because it, it may linger for a while, it may be years before you truly get over it. You know. But if you're a good friend, if you're good, you know, in a relationship with a person in any sort of way, you've got to be willing to be there for them, even if it takes a while for them to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt like with Venom, I felt like Venom really kind of grew. And you, and you do make a very good point. It really didn't feel like Eddie did much at all. Like, Eddie, you know how in Endgame, uh, or not just in Endgame, but in Infinity War they started it. They started that idea with the Hulk. Where the Hulk didn't want to come out because of the fact that he felt like the only time he was being brought out was whenever Banner was in trouble and he needed him. Mm-hmm. It felt like they were kind of doing a take on that story, but except this time Venom was trying to Venom was trying to do some things differently, and he was trying to. And he didn't necessarily agree with Eddie, but he was trying to be better. You know, like he was like, "Well, I know we're not supposed to eat these people, but I've got to eat. You're keeping me caged up in here. You know, you're." Yeah, but it was real funny too because like when Venom got away from Eddie, he didn't go on an eating spree mm. and sit there and eat a bunch of people. He jumped in a bunch of people, but he didn't eat a bunch of people. Which is interesting too because even though he broke away from Eddie, he still kept the same mandate on himself. So it wasn't, it didn't feel like necessarily, hey, you're not letting me eat people. I don't want to be around you anymore. It's more like he wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. He wants to be a, a true part of the symbiosis. Like, he wants to have input. He doesn't want to just be treated like, you know, oh, I'm just a big bad thing that just comes out whenever somebody needs to be intimidated. You know, it, it's true fact of symbiosis. So I thought that was interesting. I really appreciated Michelle Williams in this movie. Like, I feel like, I mean, she wasn't in there a whole, whole lot. But when she was in there, she always kind of stole the show for me. Especially like in the moment when she comes in and they do the she venom thing again, which I was like, I wondered. I was just like, are they gonna do the she venom thing again, or are they just gonna kind of let her be, you know, totally there? And then the other thing I thought was interesting too was when they meet back together and she tells him that she's getting ready to get married, and she's like, is this, is venom with you? And I almost wondered if part of that was that she had bonded with the symbiote before, and so maybe mm-hmm. she could kind of tell that the symbiote was there, like maybe there was an unspoken thing, not really a super tight symbiosis, but there was enough to where she could tell if Venom was around. Right. So I thought that was really cool how they kind of played with that. But then, I honestly, uh, I do, I do appreciate the fact that Woody Harrison wasn't in that god-awful wig that they had him in by the end of the first movie. Yeah. He didn't quite look like Ronald McDonald anymore. And I'm glad of that. Uh, but And so, other than that, yeah, he really, again, he, Woody Harrelson, it's kind of, if you just let Woody Harrelson go, he can kind of take over a scene. And I'm glad that he and Tom Hardy were really able to play together. It didn't feel like it was just him. You know what I mean? Because like some movies, like Zombieland, for example, it doesn't matter who else is on screen with Woody Harrelson. He pretty much kills it every time. And everybody else is just kind of there. 
mm-hmm. responding to him. But in this movie, it felt like him and Tom Hardy really shared the screen well together whenever they were on screen. So those right. are things I really enjoyed. And then, of course, that end credit scene, but we'll talk about that later. So uh, what were the things that you didn't enjoy about the film as much? Uh, let me see. Hmm. Uh, the, the length of the movie itself was, I thought was kind of a problem. It was quite short for, um, a modern movie. I was surprised. And, and as such, the, uh, the story itself had to move quite quickly. Uh, but it wasn't like something that bothered me too much. Not like some other movies that I've seen where there's just all like too much going on and, uh, it just goes by way too quickly. Um, hmm. Trying to think. Like, um, Eddie's ex girlfriend, I don't remember. What's her name? Well, the character's name, I don't remember the character's name. I know Michelle Williams is the actress that plays her. Right. Um, I will look that I up. Thought, I thought she was uh, an interesting addition to the story. Her and was it Dan? Yeah, that, I think Dan's a doctor that he's dating. Yeah. Um, Who's in the first movie? Yeah, um, I thought the the two of them were like fine as uh, you know extra characters and stuff, and they actually like did some stuff, which I thought was neat. Um, but they're otherwise they were just kind of there to like make Eddie feel bad. And um, I feel like that they could have been used in a way to make Eddie want to improve his life and try and do better, which he kind of wanted to do. But he also blamed Venom for a lot of like the problems that he had, even though Eddie kind of ruined his life way before Venom even showed up. Right. Um, And so, oh, that that that, like I I had mentioned before, uh, another problem that I did have is. Eddie's character in general, uh, he's just kind of, well, as Eddie put it in the first movie, he's kind of a loser. Yeah. And um, that's not the kind of Eddie Brock that I like. Eddie Brock that I like is, you know, he, he sees a problem and he tries to fix it, become better, become a better person and become more self-sufficient and not rely in, on other people and stuff. I mean, he and he and Venom get along so well, um, at least initially, because as the Venom comics continue, like there's a big falling out and it's something I'm not fond of in the comics, but, um, like, Ed, I feel like Eddie himself just did not grow very much in this movie. Um, upon just being all like, okay, Venom and I, we need each other. We need to rely on each other. Um, and we need to be partners. Right. And we need to be one, more or less, perfectly bonded and stuff like that. Mm. But other than that, his attitude for a lot of stuff didn't really change. And his desire to want to improve his situation didn't really change. Um, and uh, he just always felt, like, really selfish throughout the movie. And so... All in all, uh, I feel like I, I wasn't too terribly fond of Eddie's character 
And it really stands in opposition to how much I liked Cletus Cassidy's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Carnage symbiote um, was kind of one note and kind of dumb and kind of kind of what I expected from Carnage in general. Just kind of like um, an insane killing machine, mm-hmm. which is what I expected from the comics. And so that also stands in weird opposition to how much I liked Cletus Cassidy. And so Eddie Brock didn't, I I wasn't too terribly fond of Eddie Brock in this movie. And I wasn't too terribly fond of the carnage symbiote in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and those were two, I'd, I'd say relatively large things that I was just not super fond of. Okay. Um, I will say before I, and I forgot to mention this during the other things I like, I will say, uh, the relationship between Venom and Miss, and the lady at the store, um, yeah, Miss Chen, Miss Chen, I love that. I laughed so hard when ever Venom was actually inside of her while, and by the way, Michelle Williams character in the thing is Anna Wang. Uh-huh. And so when Anna comes in and she's all like, wait a minute. And she realizes that Venom's inside of this Chen. And so she just starts talking to the symbiote. Like, she's bypassing this Chen completely. She's just talking to the symbiote directly. And, of course, the, of course her fiancé is sitting there going, I'm still sitting right here. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm still... When she's like, you know, yes, and you are best... And you are sleek and best when you're doing what you do. And I do love watching you do what you do. And he's just like, I'm, I'm still sitting here. Like, I'm still... <laughs> You know, so it was kind of making him feel uncomfortable. I'm sure Venom probably enjoyed that a bit. But um, as far as things I didn't like, I will say one of the things, and I still don't get it. Like, I don't know if I've ever said this about the first Venom movie. When McFarlane created um, Eddie, Mm -hmm. Eddie was a lot bigger than Peter. Yeah. Like, bigger. He was bigger than Flash Thompson. Even like he kind of physically was the same bully, but initially him and Peter were kind of friends. It wasn't until Peter had the black suit and he started acting out more primally that he started hurting Eddie. At that point, when he started hurting Eddie, Eddie got resentful towards him. And then whenever he broke up with the suit and the suit and Eddie combined, then they had a shared hatred for Spider-Man slash Peter Parker, which is why they could do things around Peter Parker that, you know, no one else could. Like, they could evade his spider senses completely. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And so, they had, you know, they had this relationship, but Eddie was just super large and big. I mean, I, I don't think quite like Brock Lesnar size, but pretty big dude. And so, I don't know, like, Tom Hardy's a big dude, but he's also short big dude. Mm-hmm. So, especially with what we find out near the end of uh, end of the movie, it's like now we're getting them coming into the same universe, and I don't know how that's going to look whenever Eddie Brock is standing next to Tom Holland, or Eddie Brock is standing next to Peter Parker in this version, which they say could happen as soon as um, Far From Home, or No Way Home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if they play that that way, it's going to be real interesting 
to see that. So that's one thing I, I still don't really like. I love Tom Hardy as an actor. I just don't feel like he is any Brock to me. Like he feels he feels like somebody else who just happens to have the name Eddie and just happens to be in this story. Like he never mm. feels like he really connects to who Eddie was a person is. Like it's just, oh, I wanna be famous. I wanna be a celebrity, I wanna be famous. Okay, I wanna get back and live and live my lifestyle I lived before. Okay. Now I got this symbiote and now there's a risk of us possibly getting taken to Area fifty one if people find out who this symbiote is. So we gotta hide everything. Okay. So Oh, look, you figured out this thing for me, but I'm not even going to give you credit for it because Venom has super, you know, search skills on Google, apparently, in addition to, you know, in addition to um, super seeing skills where he could see all this stuff on a wall and remember the whole thing. <laughs> like, mm. uh, like there's a lot of things I'm just sitting there going, when did we determine that he could do all this stuff? Like, <laughs> it just, it just hit us with it. Like, oh, Venom can see in a whole room and see all the pictures on a wall. And Venom can recreate it from memory and then implant it into Eddie so that he can, they can figure out where this is. Mm -hmm. It just seems really convenient for the sake of convenience sake that yeah. he could do that. Well, um, so I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, this guy he on on YouTube. He's called The Birdman. Okay. Uh, and he, he criticizes uh, cinema sins. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's usually because CinemaSins are, are sending something that, like, if you're paying attention, it makes sense, right. you know? Uh, and one of the big things that he's... Because CinemaSins will always be all like, when did they establish that a character could do this all of a sudden? And the answer to that is they're establishing it right there. That's where they're establishing that this character is capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. And they even explain later that... Uh, Venom is able to to sync up with other um with the knowledge of of other Clintar. And so uh the the things that other Clintar know, he can learn. Okay. And the knowledge and memories uh he can sustain and they they establish that in the movie. Okay. All right, fair enough. And I mean I'm just I'm asking those questions because those are the questions I legit had when it came to it. Um, so, you know, we get this, we get this thing, we get this moment where, uh, Venom, this is kind of another question and the thing, it didn't necessarily like category. So Venom lashes out, Venom grabs, uh, grabs, uh, Cletus, throws him all around the <laughs> cell, no cameras catch any of that. Like they just happen to hide it in such a way where nobody sees that at all. Like, you know, I know we see it, but of course we're supposed to. But, like, the fact that they're in this maximum security prison with this crazy dude they're about to execute and no camera see all that happen. Because you'd think right there and there, like, they're the cave and arrested Brad and Eddie for that. Like, what the heck was up with that? What was that thing that came out of you that grabbed him? Type thing. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just real convenient that that didn't go there. So, I, I didn't understand that. Because I was thinking, like... Somebody would have seen that, like in a security room somewhere, where he's literally what visiting this guy that's about to get killed. Somebody would have seen that on a video camera somewhere. Like, well, here's one thing. Yep. Um, in real life, uh, people get attacked in their cells all the time, and no cameras see what happened. And that's true if you're in general population. 
That makes perfect sense. If you're in general population, you got 60 cells lined up across, or 20, or how many ever is lined up in general pop. That makes sense to me. This guy was in an isolated cell, and the only one in there, because it was the security guard and him, that was it. There was nobody mm -hmm. else there, so I'm like, you would have cameras on somebody who was this dangerous and ready for execution. And again... I'm not one... Huh? I'm... I'm not 100% sure how how the cameras are set up on death row. Yeah, I'm I've, not, I've never yeah, seen that. I'm not, I'm not either, and I get that. It was just something that I questioned. It was something I was sitting there going, like, why would no one have seen that at all? But there again, you know, that is what it is. Um, so then another factor I didn't like was the weird anonymity that happens near the end because, of course, we've got the big, huge fight uh, also, I'll be honest, I get that Sony wanted as many eyes on this property as possible, and so that's why they made it a PG-13 movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like it hurts it, especially with the people that are in it. I, I, I don't know that you can do an R-rated movie and not have eyes on it, but I almost feel like Venom at some point deserves, if, especially if you're going to have Carnage in it. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, he's murdering people, but boy, it's so it's so like he's murdering people so so like just peacefully as possible. Even though it's 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 like 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 he goes and he like does the whole thing where he goes out the guy's mouth and he just throws him over there. You know, he's got the one security guy. He just kind of kills him off screen, so to speak, and he flies off or whatever. And it's just like especially for that character, you kind of need an R rating. I feel like and it just felt like it held back for what because I think if you have Carnage as who he is in the comics, it he needs to be cut loose. He needs to be uncaged. And I was you know how Eddie, how Venom was kind of talking about how he felt like he was an animal in a cage. Carnage is kind of that animal unleashed. So there's a very interesting parallel in the movie that they did play with a little bit. The parallel between what happens with. Uh, Venom as controlled fury versus Carnage is just unleashed psychotic fury. You know, but I kind of feel like if Carnage especially deserves more of an outlet. Like, I, I don't need blood, guts, and gore like a horror movie. But it would have been nice to at least see like a decapitation where a little bit of blood spilled across the screen. Because there again, that's kind of how Carnage works. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, I felt like the movie held itself back because of its rating. I um, this this is something that I've felt, and I feel like I I disagree with the general population in this sense. Um, and it it was the same complaint that people had about the first movie. Uh -huh. Um, people were all like, "Oh, it, it suffered because it was only PG-13. It should have been rated R. If it was rated R, it would have been better." And uh to which I have said, "If you stick with the same story structure and the same acting and the same characters, but made it rated R and proved like the the graphicness of the violence, it still would have been a really bad movie." Um I I am of the opinion and uh, it, it's it's a differing opinion from pr what what seems to be a differing opinion from everyone else, which is totally fine. Yep. I'm I'm of the opinion is that you can make a really good movie uh, and make it any rating, 
you can you can make a good movie out of anything and have it any rating you could make a venom and carnage movie and have it g-rated and you can still make it a good movie mm-hmm. um but uh like people feel like if if they wanted it to actually be really good then they need it to be rated r and it's it's something that i don't agree with uh i feel like you it probably would help somewhat but i feel like uh people are more than capable of making a good pg-13 movie with these characters and i feel like there was plenty of decent murders that happened in this movie anyway without the pg or without the r rating um but that that's just what my opinion is of it okay okay that's fair that's fair that's that's fair all across the board um so then the only other thing i really didn't like was when they said when when the boyfriend fiance says they're not true symbiosis you're a true symbiosis I'm like, it almost felt like they intentionally gave Carnage, uh, they gave Carnage a re- a weak, they implanted a weakness in Carnage that wasn't there in the comics. Because, I mean, they were a lot more perfectly synced in a lot of ways than Eddie and Venom were in the comics. And I understand, again, movies can make changes to comics. That's fair. That's fine. But it almost felt like it was just out of nowhere. Like, no, they're not fully in sync. And I get that if you look at the fact that, okay, Shriek, whatever Shriek did, what Shriek does. Um, mm. Carnage is like, uh, I'm not liking this heifer. This heifer keeps hurting me. I want to kill her. And then he's like, we're not killing her. I love her. What are you doing? This is stupid. But at the same time, it's like, you know, have, the cop- have two seconds. Babe, if you're going to hit me with what hit that yell, I need you to be, I need to, I need to be behind you. Let me know when you're gonna do that. Like that's a communication thing. Like I see, it's like 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 they're both very evil. They're very very psychotic. I get that you kind of have shriek. She's kind of doing her own thing because she's a little bit out there too. But at the same time, it's like that's a conversation. The the way they end up doing it was like, oh, they're fighting each other. Look, they're not staying together because he wants to keep her around and Carnage wants to kill her because she's 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 got sonic sound powers a mutation or whatever they call it and. And, oh my gosh, you know, it's hurting. It's like, that's a conversation with the symbiote, too. Hey, why don't we just get behind her before she yells? Like, why are you getting mad at her for doing her thing? That hurts him. We need him hurting and weak so we can beat him. So, let her do her thing. We'll get behind her, and then we'll kill him when it's done. Is that not the point? And they're like, yes. And that's where the symbiosis should have come in. I felt like because they, they planted that there just so they could have a re, have a way of taking him out. And then the weird death of Belle gets knocked on her. She's falling. She hits the scream. Belle falls. And she falls. And then the Belle falls on top of her. And we assume death. But of course we all know, especially in movies, if you don't see the body as dead, we can't assume that they're dead. Mm-hmm. Even though Belle landed on top of her. You know, so I don't know. I just I felt like that was a weakness that was inferred to that that we didn't need to have in there. Like it should should have just been Venom, and and because even in the comics it's shown that usually the spawns of each of the symbiotes are stronger than the previous symbiote. 
So like Carnage was stronger to the point where Spider-Man and Venom had to team up to take Carnage down because Venom couldn't take Carnage down by himself in the comics. So it makes sense that Carnage is stronger technically than Venom. Like people, I heard somebody talk about, oh, I don't understand why Carnage kept growing and shrinking and growing and shrinking. He had no size concept. I was like, did you ever read the comics? He did that stuff there too. Like he grew in massive size. He was more, a lot more creative in his ability to kill and do weird, wacky things. Like, you know, it, that stuff he did. So that makes sense that he could do that. And they were just like, oh, I didn't realize that. But yeah, he could. You know, because well, he was thinner and leaner. Yeah, at a lot of moments he was thinner and leaner than Venom. But there were moments where he grew up really big too because he overpowered him. So, mm -hmm. but... You know, yeah, I just, I feel like that, the weakness that they did for Carnage to kind of show the way to beat him was that he, that the symbiote and him weren't quite connecting. I'm just like, I feel like they would have connected more. I feel like the fact that Venom, Eddie and Venom had to really connect was the better story to tell. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And, and, and once again, it goes down to they just changed stuff from the comics. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you had uh, the detective that was there. Pat Mulligan. Yeah. And they ended up basically turning him into Toxin by the end. They did, director did confirm that he will become Toxin whenever they come back to that world. Mm, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're talking about a movie that's, what, now a month old almost at this point? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, there you go. You, no, you but I was, I, I was obviously like, when, when, as soon as I saw his eyes glowing, I was, I just turned to Smiter and I was just all like, oh boy, Toxin. <laughs> I mean, that it's literally like the only possible answer it could have been because Toxin obviously was born from Carnage, uh, and he uh, connected to a police officer named Patrick Mulligan, yep. which was the name of that character in that movie. Yep. So, I mean. <laughs> It's it's just like seeing a guy in a Batman movie. He comes up to you and it's all like, "Hi there, my name's Harvey Dent." You're like, "Okay, well that's gonna be Two Face later." <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, obviously. Unless you're Billy that's D. Williams, because Billy D. Williams never got to be Two Face from the from the '89 uh, movie. Yeah, but he he did become Two Face later. Ooh. Billy D. Do you know? Do, do you know what movie he he got to be Two Face in? No. <laughs> Billy D. Williams was brought on to be Two Face in the Lego Batman movie. Oh, really? Yep. And they he they made a little uh, Lego minifigure uh, based on the design sketches that uh, he, Billy D. Williams was going to be Two Face. Yeah. Uh, in the later movies, which is interesting because they did a they did a Batman '89 comic, and apparently on one of the covers. They ended up doing the Billy D version of uh, Two Face in the comics as well, but of course I never, I didn't think about the fact they did it in a Lego movie. I didn't think they'd ever done it in a movie. That's cool though. Yep, that's uh, that's the version that they they used for the Lego Batman movie. That's pretty awesome. So, are we ready to talk end credit secrets, end credit stuff, or is there anything else we want to talk about as far as like, but any favorite? I'll ask this beforehand. Are there any favorite quotes or any, any favorite lines from the? Um, from the movie that you loved? It's a good question. Um, hmm. I mean, th th there was a lot of really good one-liners. Um, I like that they 
that Venom kept saying that we need to be lethal, lethal protectors. protectors. <laughs> Which, if people are listening, was like uh, Venom's first solo comic run was Venom Lethal Protector. Yeah. Um, which I have uh, a copy of because Smiter is a good brother. Oh, um, awesome. Well, that book it became hot. I got a book, buddy of mine that sells comics as a side hustle. And he yep. ended up getting the full first, I think, four issues of that book. And it was just like, sold him a ton of money because it was just like, people were just like, yeah, man, I need that Venom protect. I need that Lethal Protector. And I was like, yep, because you couldn't walk out of that movie theater without thinking Lethal Protector because they said it so many times. <laughs> yep. So uh, I, I got both. First, uh, just the solo first issue. Mm-hmm. With the red hollow foil cover yep. of Lethal Protector, uh, and then later on, Smiter got me the uh, the entire miniseries in one uh, collected book nice. of Lethal Protector, all six issues together. Nice. So that, that, that I, super I like classic Mark Bagley art. I love it. Yep, it is really good. Um, so Lethal Protector, I like that they kept bringing that up. Uh, it was funny that they brought up the whole chocolate thing because that was the thing in the comics for a while, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really funny. Um, uh, I, I I thought something that really made me laugh uh, and I really enjoyed was the entire like breakup scene between Venom and Eddie mm-hmm. about how like Venom was like an angry ex-girlfriend that got cheated on. Yeah. Um, and that was the whole scene was him just like yelling at Eddie and just being all like, get out, get out of thy house. And Eddie's all like, no, I, this is my house. My house. What are you doing? I'm not leaving. And, <laughs> yeah. And um, that whole scene just made me laugh so much just because of how silly and ridiculous it was. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as far as one-liners, it's hard for me to think of any like particular ones because I thought overall it was just uh, a funny and entertaining film. Yeah, I think I'm still like I said when Michelle Williams' character Anna Annie is sitting there uh, and is sitting there going up about how she loves how Venom does what he does and there's nobody else that does it better. Like it's like is she trying to seduce Venom in a way? Like is that what's happening? Because if it's, of course she comes back and breaks Eddie out. And then there's that point where he's like, no, I'm not coming back to him until he apologizes. <laughs> he's like, she's like, you need to apologize to him. He's like, he's like, okay, I'm sorry. He doesn't read it. And it's like she's trying to negotiate this relationship between these two characters. While you kind of wonder if there's still something there between the two of them. But mm-hmm. she's trying to move on. Because that's the whole thing she says about Eddie. She says... Every time you have a chance to tell the truth and be real with me, you just can't do it, can you? Hmm. And it's like, that's such a heartbreak thing. I'm like, you know, it, 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 all he needs to do is be real with her. Mm-hmm. And he can't seem to do that. And that's the, that's the big problem between those two. So I'm wondering if at some point he'll realize what needs to happen and he'll actually come clean and be like, look, I'm sorry I didn't. Because when he apologizes to her at the end, you know, she's like, you know, stay out of trouble. You know, basically. And it's kind of like you can tell she kind of cares, but it's just like at the same time. It's like, I can't, I can't, 
I can't go down this road with you till you get some things straight because I don't know what's going to happen if I do. Mm-hmm. So, I just think it's really cool. I thought that whole little exchange between her. I really like that exchange to those two characters. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that's my favorite stuff in the movie, honestly. Until we get to the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> so... So Venom finally gets to feel sand between his toes. I love the idea that Eddie is sitting there and then under the sand is the Venom feet. And he literally has mm-hmm. made toes so he can feel the sand between his toes. I just thought that was so cool. And then they're in the bed and they're talking and he's just like, you know, you, you know, what else do you know? You know, and he's just like, you know, you, you know, we know, you know, you couldn't handle a fraction of what we know. And then like all that breaks down. If somebody in the movie theater was just like, oh my gosh, Venom somehow tapped into the power cosmic and sent him to the alternate, into a, to a, a alternate reality. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there in the movie theater and I'm thinking to myself, I can't say what I want to say out loud other than, no, you dumb dumb. I'm pretty sure this is a res- response to the Doctor Strange thing that's happening in uh, far, No Way Home. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because the same light that the multiverse is used for when Strange in, this, in his solo movie it's the same light that comes in the window. And the next thing you know, they're in the MCU. So yeah, no, Venom himself doesn't have that kind of power to transport them into, <laughs> into an alternate reality. Um, but it's just, it coincided with what was happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So basically, by the end of the movie, for those who don't know, uh, Eddie Brock and Venom wake up in our reality with J. Jonah Jameson sitting there talking about Venom. Talk, I'm not talking about Venom. talking about Peter Parker being Spider-Man. Talking about that he's a menace, specifically. And then Eddie's looking at the screen. He's like, where are we? And then, because he's obviously aware that we're not where we were a second ago. And Venom's like, I don't know. We, I didn't, we didn't do it. But this guy... And then he licks the screen, and then all of a sudden he wait. He like look up, and some other guys come out of the bathroom talking about why you're in my room. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like it. So somebody did ask a question at work the other day. I just want to pose this to you to see what your thoughts are on it. Okay. Uh, um, so the question is, how did Venom? When Venom said, "Oh, this guy," do you think it's possible that since we're dealing with the multiverse, is it possible that he remembers? a version of Peter because that was a Venom in the Tobey Maguire version. And since they can learn whether their symbiotes know, is it possible that the reason why he was all familiar with Peter all of a sudden was because he connected with the symbiote that was in that movie? I don't think that that's what was going on there. Okay. Uh, I feel like the, what the, the suggestion that was going on was he was hearing J. Jonah Jameson saying that this kid is a bad kid and Venom going all like, oh, we should take care of this because this is clearly a bad person. Right. That was the impression that I got from that sequence. Because we're lethal protectors uh, and we want to <laughs> yeah. take care of people that are, wrong, that are in the wrong. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious because, like I said, they said that at work and I was just like, ah, you know, there's a small chance that that could be the case, but I really feel like you're reaching a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like what happened was J. Jonah mentioned he was a menace. And maybe, maybe they, if Venom shows up in no, in no Way Home, I think there'll be a brief moment where they may fight for a bit. And then he comes mm-hmm. to realize that Peter's the hero 
of the story. And maybe that's where we get the moment where Venom has a spider symbol. symbol. He adds a spider symbol to his chest. He says something to the effect of, I could be a protector like you are. Or something like that. And that's how they continue to do that story. I know Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy pissed, Tom, Tom Hardy, not Tom Hardy, Tom Holland pissed off some people because he, he was quoted talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. And if you'll give me a minute, I'll ask you another question. I want to look up the quotes. So I can mute this quote. But um, so how do you feel about Venom officially being in the MCU now? Uh, so Birdman made a video talking about um, about Venom being a part of the MCU. And uh, I think that what is really going to happen is that um, they're going to have this multiversal thing happen. Uh, and maybe some elements are going to be brought and, and stick in the official MCU and some elements aren't. Uh, we don't know exactly which elements are going to be doing what yet because the movie's not out yet. Right. Uh, but my assumption is, is that there's going to, we're going to be brought to the multiverse. We're going to come across these other people and then we're going to return to the main timeline and um, maybe some of that stuff will be brought over. Some of that stuff will not. Mm -hmm. that's what i assume is going to happen and i don't think that uh the venom from this venom verse oh one second bless you excuse me uh the venom from this venom verse uh is going to be staying in the mcu i think he's going to make an appearance uh and then return to his own timeline mm -hmm. which leads me to the next question when he comes back to his when he comes back to his timeline, is it possible that by the time he comes back to his timeline, let there be carnage isn't necessarily erased, but that another version perhaps of Carnage and another version of Shriek return when he returns back to his reality. Um And that would be a way I of don't... having that would be a way of keeping Carnage around even if it's not Woody Harrelson. Uh, I don't, I don't think that that is the plan. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm not for sure either. Um, cause somebody was saying with the multiverse, you know, what if he ends up getting put into another multiverse that's similar to his, but slightly different and that perhaps that fight didn't kill either one of them. So I was just like, I'm not for sure. <laughs> Um, I get a lot of questions to ask for work because slowly people will realize that I do a podcast and so they're like, you talk a lot about pop culture, you know a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, just wondering what you thought about this. I was like, well, I can tell you this. This is what I think. But other than that, I can't tell you this is guaranteed information. Uh, so this is a quote from Tom Holland uh, for Entertainment Weekly this week. Uh, we're treating No Way Home as the end of a franchise, let's say. I think that if we're lucky... Love good enough to dive into these characters again, you'll be seeing a different version of them. A different version. It won't it would no longer be the homecoming trilogy. We would give it some time and try to build something different and tonally change the films. Whatever 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 whether that happens or not, I don't know. But we're definitely treating No Way Home as it's a coming 
to, to an end, and I, it felt like it. Now, of course, they come back and continue to talk about the fact that this doesn't necessarily mean that he's leaving the MCU. Uh, this does appear that the solo Spider-Man movie projects will be on pause for a little while. There's certainly a chance that the character could be revisited later in a narrative of when he's less of a teenage hero and more of an established Avenger. Spider-Man could take on a bigger role in Avengers projects and just simply show up in other movies. Um, so I was trying to see if there's anything else to that quote. It doesn't look like there is, so. Which, I mean, it's fair for him to say. You know, it's all fair for him to say that. And of course, somebody's like, well, you know, what about Miles Morales? They could introduce Miles. It's like they kind of already introduced a world where Miles could be in it because in uh, Homecoming, Donald Glover is playing his uncle. Mm-hmm. So technically, they've already introduced. They've already left the door open for Miles to show up. So mm-hmm. could they possibly? Uh, I know we are getting the second Spider Verse movie at some point in the near future from Sony. So that'll be interesting to see how that all plays into it, if it plays into it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be cool. I mean, I think if um, that if that's the case, that'd be the case. So I do want to talk about one more thing real quick with you, just to share. Uh, I did upload an episode. I've not put it officially over there yet, but uh, starting probably next week, we're going to have the uh, episodes that will be, we're just going to call them Conversations Behind the Wall. And there'll be conversations that if you're interested in those conversations, you could pay a $4.99 a month to support the podcast in that way, and you'll get extra episodes of the show. Uh, a lot of them will probably be just me talking about random things. But I know sometimes, hopefully, we'll get a chance to record some episodes as well. Kind of, we talked about a couple that we'd want to do. These are a little bit more unfiltered because um, we'll be talking about stuff like, say, the Boondocks, for example, the Boondocks cartoon or Black Dynamite or things like that, where we don't have to worry so much about the language that's being quoted or anything like that, or you know, the conversation about those subject matters. So we want to just let you know that that's coming probably within the next week. And it'll be available to you. So uh, I'll make sure to have the link in the Amazon. I mean, in the Amazon. Yeah, I've worked too much this week. Uh, we'll have them in the notes, show notes uh, once I get that done for Anchor Link for you to be able to go and support those shows. And then you'll be able to get those downloaded to, you should be able to get those downloaded to any uh, podcast stuff with the code that'll be available for that. So you'll be able to get those extra episodes. I've got one in the halter. And we've got one in the in the quiver already about movie going one on one, as it relates to my experiences on wa- going and watching um, going and watching um, Venom, and kind of my thoughts on movie going, especially with a lot of people coming out of pandemic and all that stuff and starting to go back to movies again. Mm-hmm. And just some rules, because <laughs> um, there are some moments I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, I can't believe these people. Why are you acting like crazy folks at a the movie theater? Stop it. Just trying to watch a movie. <laughs> but anyway, so there'll be some stuff we'll talk about in the future as far as setting up how we're going to do those recordings. So we can put them on and people can get a chance to listen to those episodes. And we'll tell you guys when those episodes are available. And so one other thing I want to ask you too, Jingles. Uh, I was thinking about doing, this would be behind the paywall as well, because I don't know how interested people would be. Uh, mm-hmm. Doing a mega Doing basically the mega bundle where it's all of the Pathfinder stuff in one episode. Mm-hmm. So that way you can hear the whole story as it's gone so far instead of having to go find the different episodes. Right. 
and just do one big gigantic hey this is the adventure so far <laughs> so but we'll see we'll we'll discuss it yep. but I just want to let the people know that there are things coming down the pipe for that so yep but anyway um, we're going to be getting ready to roll out uh, Jingles thank you as always for coming on and letting us talk about some carnage and such yeah and, and mass amounts of uh, destruction as it relates to symbiotes <laughs> yep <laughs> things and so we'll be back together next week and like I said we'll probably be talking a little DC fandom uh, and either what if or Star Wars visions and so hopefully the crew will be back together complete when we can just do that and have some fun with it so thank you as always for listening and remember above all else no matter how crazy life gets no matter what circumstances are in your world right now be blessed with blessed with somebody guys Take care.